Yeah, we like to play till the sun go down. Yeah, we like to play till the sun go down. Then we take that town. Then we take that town. Alright everyone, well welcome back to another edition of the Eat Sleep Fantasy Football Podcast presented by Fantrax. Again guys, if you are interested in a pretty cool customizable league um, and you're looking for a new place to play, head on over to Fantrax.com. You can enter promo code ESF um, and you'll get hooked up with a free premium league upgrade. So not going to cost you anything, you can check out Fantrax, it's really a sweet place to do to host your fantasy season. Um, so, right now we have a very interesting podcast tonight. So I do want to first go ahead and introduce Dale Demott. How you doing, Dale? Fuck you, Dale! Fuck you! Awesome, Christian. How you doing? I'm excited about this episode. I- I'm doing pretty well, man. This is this is some cool stuff that we put together. Um, so my name's Christian Brito. My name is Jeff. You can find me at C Burrito Fantasy on Twitter. Dale, where can they find you at? At Dale underscore fantasy. And also, I uh, want to mention really quick, our upcoming listener league. Um, you probably have about a couple more weeks. We haven't set a strong deadline, but uh, if you're interested in joining our listener league, go to our website or tweet at us um, at EatSleepFF. Or on our website, go to submit a question. There's a little tab for listener league. Uh, sign up. Uh, we want to hear from you. We uh, we hope to join. We hope uh, that you can join us in the league. Listen, time time's running out on that listener league, and if you want to win one of those awesome, uh, big ass, you know, championship belts from FantasyJocks.com, looks like the WWE belts. Um, you know, it says Fantasy Champion from the Eat Sleep Fantasy uh, Football Podcast League. You know. Head on over and submit uh, your entry for the listener league. So, Dale, tell tell our listeners a little bit about the the awesome mixtape show that we have going on this evening. Oh yeah! By the way, if you're on Twitter, hashtag FF mixtape, uh, not to be confused with hashtag FF mixtape. That has something to do with an old uh, Biggie mixtape, Notorious B.I.G. Um, <laughs> we're sharing a we're sharing a hashtag, but um, hopefully, maybe this overtakes it. So, if you're into this. Hashtag it. Tell us how awesome it is. Um, basically, we are an independent podcast, and we are networking with other independent podcasters, um, fantasy football podcasters, uh, to give you kind of a like uh, window shopping experience. Um, we're not uh, naive enough to think that you guys are only listening to us. Um, we know that you know you want information, and maybe from different opinions from different people. Um, and we love it. Uh, so we're kind of promoting the independent guys, you know, our, our friends that we networked with, you know, over the course of the last few months. Um, yeah, I just want to recommend to our listeners. It's something that I'll do, right? Um, <laughs> you, you shouldn't just sit there and only listen to and, you know, turn on ESPN and that's the only opinion that you get is from one guy. Listen to a few different guys, a few different opinions, because they might have a specific view of LaShawn McCoy that might open up your eyes to, okay, maybe this guy's actually pretty good. Someone else might open up your eyes to why he might be risky. And now you have a complete picture of a guy that that you're thinking about for the upcoming season. So really something useful to do, you know, after you already subscribe and listen to the Eat Sleep Fantasy podcast, there's a few other guys that we want to go ahead and, and let you guys know can be on your rotation of podcasts to listen to that might help you as well for your upcoming season. Yeah, don't don't leave us for this. 
I feel like you know we're Don't just starting us. to da- we're just starting to date a girl, <laughs> and then we introduce her to like our friend that looks like Brad Pitt, and we're kind of setting this up right for for them to leave us right now. Um, hey, hey, listen, you listen, can date us both. We look pretty good, Zoo. Yeah, you can date us both. <laughs> we we we're okay. We have an open relationship. We're. F- <laughs> Listen, we're not even the jealous type, you know, listen to us, listen to them, whatever order you want to do, as long as you subscribe and, you know, you're interested. Well, it's, <laughs> I, I, why not listen to us first? I don't want the sloppy seconds. Yeah. Okay. You made it weird, Dale. So let's, <laughs> let's, let's actually go it. ahead and get, <laughs> let's get into our hashtag FF mixtape. This is Duke and the Boy Show. If you don't know us, I'm the boy. And I'm always joined, unfortunately, by the Duke. Yes, yes, sir, yes, sir. And we always usually have Gogi here Gogi as well. Gogi is the maestro behind the boards. Yes, he is. So basically what we're here for is to give you our breakouts for the year. A little taste. A now, little taste of the Duke and Boy show. How we did this was we broke it down to quarterback, a running back, and receiver. So right away, I'm going to start with a quarterback for you. Right now, currently being drafted as the QB 19, Matthew Stafford. That is ridiculous. I don't know how many times I need to say this. Last year, second half of the season, under Jim Bob Cooter, maybe the best offensive coordinator in the league. (laughs) Excuse me? Matthew Stafford. Excuse me? Threw for 19 touchdowns and only two interceptions. Okay? Yep. He is absolutely poised for a big year i know what you're saying calvin johnson's not there anymore that's fine a lot of times matthew stafford really relied on calvin just kind of threw it up there for him he's got golden tate you know a a good uh you know (laughs) possession receiver he's got marvin jones to stretch the field they're expecting big things from eric ebron and of course he's got amir abdullah and theo riddick both out of the backfield i think matthew stafford is poised for a big nice bounce back year duke i know you got a wide receiver for us uh yeah uh, there's a guy who's who people seem to hate especially in twitter a lot of dynasty people do not like this guy uh i'm gonna say kelvin benjamin i mean we saw what he could do his rookie year nine touchdowns a little over a thousand yards he was the apple of cam newton's eye they are best buds best friends um i think that Kelvin Benjamin is going to come right back into his wide receiver one status. Now, he had low-end, I don't know, let's call him a mid-range wide receiver two his rookie year. Last year, he got hurt. He played one preseason game last year. Do you know what he did that one preseason game? I do not. He caught a touchdown. Oh. He played one game, one preseason game, caught a touchdown. I think double-digit touchdowns are a lock, lock for Kelvin Benjamin. He's currently being drafted, uh, let me see here. Take your time, Duke. We're not in a five-minute rush here. <laughs> no, he's currently being drafted in the third round, mid-third round, uh, three oh five. I think he could be top fifteen wide receiver in the NFL this year with Cam Newton supposedly taking the next step. I think Kelvin Benjamin is getting a lot of heat for no reason at all. And you can say what you want about the drops. People had a problem with the drops. He had one hundred forty targets, dropped a lot of balls. I don't care if he catches touchdowns and he catches enough yards. It doesn't matter. I'm looking at twelve hundred yards. 10 to 12 touchdowns. All right, well, moving on to running back. This is a guy who, I, again, this is a number one where I'm looking at average draft position right now, and he's not even being drafted as a running back two. He's the 25th RB off the board. Ryan Matthews in Philadelphia. 
Now, I get it. He cannot stay healthy. That's fine. It's not fine. That's kind of a problem. <laughs> it's fine. He's due. Now, here's the thing. Last Wait, you, the reason for the breakout is he's due? He is due to have a healthy season. Come on. Listen, splitting time with DeMarco Murray last year, Yeah. Ryan Matthews was the better back. Averaged over five yards per carry. Zone blocking scheme at Philadelphia works perfect for Ryan Matthews. I, he's the guy. Let me ask you a question. Go ahead. If Sam Bradford loses the starting job this year to Carson Wentz and you have a rookie quarterback at the helm, obviously defense is going to play to that. They're going to make them beat them through the air. Do you think that hurts Ryan Matthews just a little bit? Uh, I'm sure it could hurt him a little bit. I'm also looking out in Los Angeles, and you got Jared Goff most likely starting quarterback with Todd Gurley. I'm not comparing Todd Gurley to Ryan Matthews, but surely that would affect Todd Gurley's stock. Why would it affect Ryan Matthews' stock here? I think Ryan Matthews is poised to be a low-end running back one this season. Come on. I can't get on board with that. I cannot do that. I'm sorry. I'm done with Ryan Matthews. He flashed a little bit in San Diego. He was pretty goddamn mediocre last year. I don't know. This is your choice, your pick. You want to roll with it? Go ahead. That's what this is all about, but not for me. Gogi, what do you think? Well, Come for those on, of for Gogi. those of you who don't know much about Duke and Boy, we're dukeandboy.com, Duke and Boy podcast. The Duke also once traded Ryan Matthews for Spencer Ware in a dynasty league. So, take that for what it's worth. And uh from Duke and Boy, we wish you a good night and enjoy these other podcasts as well. Take care. dukeandboy.com. Hi there, my name is TJ Smith, and I do a little podcast called TJ Smith's War Room where I discuss fantasy football with an emphasis on the NFL draft. Here are a few of the players you could say are potential breakout players in 2016 and just players I am targeting in general if I can get some good value. I'll start with Marvin Jones. This wide receiver goes from one of the more run-heavy offenses in Cincinnati to one of the more pass-heavy in Detroit. 632 attempts in 2015. Good for fourth overall in the NFL. The retirement of one Calvin Johnson frees up 149 extra passing targets and leaves a void for a number one wide receiver. Jones is a really solid number two wide receiver, but so is Golden Tate. Tate is a great possession receiver, and Jones is a solid deep threat and red zone target. I see an uptick in targets for tight end Eric Ebron, but not enough that it truly takes away from Jones. Don't get me wrong, I like Ebron this year, but I need to see some or any dominance from him before I trust him to take a giant leap. Are there any other wide receivers that get you excited or make you weary that Marvin Jones can't take over a large chunk of this offense? TJ Jones, Jeremy Curley, Andre Caldwell, Andre Roberts, Corey Fuller? No. We have seen him get 10 touchdowns in a season before. And if you are pointing to a mildly disappointing 2015, I think you are nitpicking. 65 catches for 816 yards and 4 touchdowns is good, not great. But consider that he was coming back from a year missed when he was injured and paired with a target hog in A.J. Green. I don't believe the Detroit run game is going to be a strength of this offense. Amir Abdullah is going to get another shot to prove himself a franchise back, but I have a hard time seeing him get more than 200 inconsistent carries, not to mention the whole fumbleitis thing. I do think that Theo Riddick has a chance to see another 100 targets out of the backfield and basically serve as the wide receiver three for this offense, which is great for him but still doesn't affect Jones negatively enough. The defense is shaky enough to create lots of favorable game scripts for the passing game. Other than injury, the only thing that I could foresee holding Jones back 
is if he doesn't grasp the new offense, but from what I've heard, Jim Bob Cooter, the best name in the business, brought in a very simple offense that the team bought into last year, winning six of their last eight games in 2015. I have Jones projected for about 85 catches, 1,100 yards, seven touchdowns in 16 games. Getting him in the ninth or later rounds would be sweet. Next up, Lamar Miller. Miller is already a top pick, but I want to drive this hype train to the top. This could be a huge year for Miller. Already a top running back talent, Houston will finally use him to his potential. In 2014, they led the league in rushing attempts when they had their RB1, Arian Foster. Without Arian Foster in 2015, they were fifth in rushing attempts, throwing out guys like Alfred Blue, Chris Polk, and Jonathan Grimes. I believe they will hardly use these backs at all this year. Lamar Miller has had only one season with over 200 carries. In that season, he averaged 5.1 yards per carry. His career average is a solid 4.6 yards per carry. He had 47 receptions with an 8.4 yard per catch average in limited use last year, proving he can be a dangerous weapon out of the backfield. Miami certainly did not know how to use him. He had to deal with multiple offensive coordinators and inept head coach in Joe Philbin, and it was hard to watch. He is the clear number one back on this team and with his versatility will not leave the field very often. Arian Foster saw 20 attempts per game in 2014 and I think Miller will get around that and catch at least 40 balls. I will also add that Pro Football Focus graded him out as a top three pass blocking running back in the league. He has dealt with nagging injuries but has not missed a game in three seasons. He has a top 10 defense that will keep them in the game with positive run game scripts. The Texans have their most solid QB in the Bill O'Brien era so far, and I'm confident that with DeAndre Hopkins out there as well as other new receiving talent, it will keep defenses honest, and they will not be able to stack the box. I predict 280 carries, 1,350 yards, and 10 touchdowns on the ground, 50 catches, 400 yards, and 3 touchdowns through the air in 2016 for 16 games. And this may be on the low side. Getting him in the second round is great. But get him in the third, and you just won your league. Lastly, Torrey Smith. After last year, everybody hates Chip Kelly. We were all ready to crown him the new king of fantasy football, but it all came crashing down. Nobody wanted to hire him, but alas, he gets a new opportunity in San Francisco, and we should pay attention to the guys he has and how much value there actually is. The fast-paced Chip Kelly offense in Philadelphia was sixth in passing attempts in 2015 In 2014, it was fifth. The Eagles' number one receiver last year was Jordan Matthews, who had 126 targets for 85 catches, 997 yards, and eight touchdowns in a mess of a year. And 90% of that was from the slot! In 2014, their number one wide receiver was Jeremy Macklin, who had 143 targets for 85 catches, 1,318 yards, 10 touchdowns, and that player profiles much more like Torrey Smith. To drive the point home even more, Chip Kelly's first year in Philly saw Deshaun Jackson get 126 targets for 82 catches, 1,332 yards, and 9 touchdowns. My point is that Smith is the de facto number one wide receiver on the 49ers, and it's not even close. Someone else from the group of Bruce Ellington, Quentin Patton, Jerome Simpson, DeAndre Smelter, and Eric Rogers is going to emerge. But who and does it matter? In other words, who is the next Riley Cooper? Side note, it's probably Bruce Ellington. If Torrey Smith can prove to be more than just a deep threat, he is in for a massive season. 
Also, I would say the Niners have a less than 50% chance that the defense is going to be good due to their legendarily brutal schedule. I see a lot of trailing in their future, which is just fine for Torrey and not for starting running back Carlos Hyde, who is being hyped up quite a bit. Side note number two, Blaine Gabbert could be a real nice value as a replacement level QB, and he is certainly not being drafted. Prediction time. 85 catches, 1,400 yards, 10 touchdowns, and even if I'm inflating these stats, it's still amazing value for a 10th round pick or lower. Hopefully, by the time your draft start, that value is still there. All right, there you go. You can find my podcast, TJ Smith's War Room, on iTunes and Stitcher. Please feel free to follow me at War Room TJ on Twitter. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. This is the Falafel House special report on our fantasy breakout players. I'm Kevin Cotillo, and you can find me on Twitter or on the Fantasy Life app as at Wally Central. My breakout player for 2016 is rookie wide receiver Tyler Boyd, who was picked in the back end of the second round by Cincinnati Bengals. Boyd not only has the physical skills at 6'1", 197 pounds with a 4'5", time, and the college production as a first-team all-conference in both his sophomore and junior seasons, with a total of 169 receptions, 2,187 yards, and 14 touchdowns. But he also finds himself in a perfect situation alongside A.J. Green in a wide receiver core that just lost Marvin Jones and Mohamed Sanu. Last year, the Bengals completed 334 passes and threw for 31 touchdowns between Andy Dalton and A.J. McCarron, and A.J. Green certainly can't catch all of them. He and Tyler Eifert combined to be targeted 235 times of a possible 505 attempts. That means if the offense is relatively the same, and you remove the 85 targets to running backs, there should be upwards of 185 targets to be split between Brandon LaFell, Brandon Tate, and a bunch of guys you've never heard of. And of course, my boy Tyler Boyd. As I always say, the best results come from a combination of talent and opportunity, and Boyd definitely has both. And if you're playing PPR, which we all do, I think he has even more value. Currently with an ADP of the 75th wide receiver and 199th overall, I expect him to finish in the top 30 of wide receivers. So you can take him easily as a late-round flyer in most formats. Sal, who do you have breaking out this year? All right, so a guy I have coming out this year is, you know, he's not a rookie, but he only had one catch last year. This is uh, Sammy Coates out of Pittsburgh. Uh, Coates, when coming out of college, his NFL comparison in the NFL draft was Martavis Bryant. So how fitting is it that he gets an opportunity this year uh, that was vacated by Bryant's stupidity to step into this offense and possibly be the third wide receiver, and if with any luck, step up to be the number two wide receiver. He combines a speed, a 4-4-3-40 coming out of college with good size, 6-1-2-12. He finished his career at Auburn with a 20.9 yard per, per reception um, total. And in 2013, his average touchdown went for 54.1 yards. This offense needs a deep threat. He's the guy for the job. Wheaton has not shown the ability to get to get open deep and to make those the to stretch the field opposite of AB who's going to be getting double teamed. Like you said, Kev, one of the big things I look for in fantasy is is opportunity. His opportunity is right now. The coaches have spoken greatly about him in this offseason. Todd Haley says he's turned it up a notch. He's earned the coaches' trust after intensifying his training. He'll definitely be a, a factor in Pittsburgh. They run a ton of three wide receiver sets. He's going 59th overall wide receiver, 163rd overall player, which in a 10-team means 17th round. 12-teamer, 14th round. Grab this guy late. If this guy turns into Martavis Bryant and you got him at that spot, absolute steal. 
Steve, who are you looking at? All right, so my breakout player for 2016 is also a rookie wide receiver and is the man commonly referred to as my binky, and that is Sterling Shepard, wide receiver for the New York Giants. I've said it before, all you need to do is go and watch his game tape from Baylor last season, and he shows you a little bit of everything that he can do. He's a slot guy, so he catches balls over the middle, but he can also catch balls on the outside. He can get over the top of cornerbacks and safeties. He's got great hands, even in traffic. He had 253 catches in college, only dropped the ball eight times. Weakness of his, he's not the biggest guy in the world. He's just over 5'10", 194. He might have some issues getting off the line or uh, getting away from some of the bigger cornerbacks in the league, but that's about it. From the Giants' mandatory mini camps, he got reviews from OBJ saying that uh, Shepard's going to shock the world and he can pretty much do anything. He's got a great quarterback in Eli Manning who had 35 touchdowns last year, only one behind Tom Brady, tied for second in the league. And he's just got a great opportunity just like the other guys mentioned in this. So that's my breakout player for the year. All right. Those are the Falafel House breakout players for 2016. You can check out the Falafel House podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, TuneIn, and YouTube. And, of course, look for us on Twitter, at Falafel House. You can also follow Sal on Twitter under at Lido Sal and Steve under at Sid Ski. And until then, Steve, hit the button. Hey, 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 this is Mo and the Goo Father, D-Rex. We are Pyromaniac.com, and we're here today to talk about two fantasy football podcasts from Pyro. Now, D-Rex, you, sir, are the founding father of Pyromaniac, so tell the good people in podcast land about the Fantasy Football Fire podcast. Thanks, Mo. You know, we've been doing the Pyro podcast since 2011. We go super deep. We're not afraid to have a three-hour show. Myself, D-Rex, Houdini, Stag Party, Dogmatica. We give you the fantasy football goo, and it's um, it's it's just no holds barred. We're having a good time, throwing back some Valverde's, a.k.a. beers, and we're in, entertaining, you know? Isn't fantasy football supposed to be a good time? So I'd say overall with the Pyro Podcast, you're going to get unbelievable in-depth coverage on all teams, all players, all subjects. And, uh, you know, so far, we're one of the pioneers in podcasting. We've done almost 600 hours of fantasy football podcasting, being on air, and uh, it's a good time. So if you're looking for a new podcast, there's no reason not to give us a crack. That is the Fantasy Football Fire, and Pyromaniac also produces the Pyro Light Fantasy Football Podcast. Now, during the offseason, I primarily do fantasy football talks with some of the best and brightest in the industry. It's really 60 minutes of shooting the fantasy breeze. Past few months, I've had the pleasure of talking to Matthew Barry, Christopher Harris, Paul Chargian, guys like Sigmund Bloom and Evan Silva. I love hearing the various takes and philosophies from some of today's best and brightest uh, during the season. Record every Friday. We do the news and notes, status of players, favorable matchups. We're talking waiver wire pickups, streaming recommendations, and, of course, provide DFS picks as well. That's the Pyro Light Fantasy Football Podcast. All right, folks, I'm just going to break right into the breakout conversation with one Mr. Charles Sims. He finished last season ranked 22nd in standard, 17th in PPR, despite having averaged less than 10 touches a game. Now, I sat down and I watched all of his touches from 2015 on Game Pass. Super quick feet. Very elusive. 
His eyes and his feet hook up incredibly fast. He's great at reading and anticipating where the hold is going to open up and then being there. Posted numerous jaw-dropping plays on limited work. PPR, he's currently going 8th round, ninth round standard. He's got value, even if you don't own Doug Martin. But now I will say this. He's similar to a D'Angelo Williams. If the guy in front of him goes down, I think you've got an automatic RB1 in fantasy. Plus, we've seen Doug Martin post two of four subpar NFL seasons. Last thing I'll say, Tampa boasts the easiest running back strength of schedule, according to the Pyromaniac.com draft kit. Brother D-Rex, what breakout candidate do you have your eye on this season? I'm going to go with Matt Jones, running back for Washington Redskins. I love the fantasy element of the Washington Redskins this year. He's going to be there every down back. I love his body at 6'2", 231 pounds. The kid's a violent runner. He finishes hard. Defenders, by the end of the game, aren't going to want to touch him. He can catch. He can run inside. He can run outside. Things I love about his opportunity. Alfred Morris is gone. Scott Irish flew McLaughlin is the one who handpicked him. Scott McLaughlin is the guy who went out and got Russell Wilson, uh, Richard Sherman, and Cam Chancellor when he was uh, an executive for the Seahawks. This is also the guy that went and got Marshawn Lynch for his fourth and sixth round pick. Love that talent uh, execution. His rookie season, he played 339 offensive snaps at 490 rushing yards, three TDs, and one of the best catching plays of the season on 304 receiving yards. Caught 19 to 25 targets. The only negatives that people have against him is his fumbles. He'll fix it. The other thing is that Keith Marshall they drafted. That was a sixth-round pick. He's a project. He's got ACL issues. Matt Jones, that is your guy. All right, baby. From Charles Sims to Matt Jones, we've got Dante Moncrief. He's going in a sixth-round PPR, seventh-round standard. Now, it's difficult to look at last year as any kind of indicator what with the QB sticky situation we had in Indy. Moncrief last year scored six TDs. Five of those bad boys came in the seven games he played with Andrew Luck. In other words, folks, 33% of Luck's 2015 passing touchdowns went to Dante Moncrief. With T.Y. Hilton there, he's going to draw defensive focus, leaving a softer coverage for Moncrief to wreak havoc. We are talking 160 vacated targets in Indy from the departed Andre Johnson and Kobe Fleener. At 6 foot 2, 222 pounds, Moncrief is the only starting wide receiver over 6 feet tall. That means red zone target possible TD magnet, and that's where you can catch fantasy gold. Dwayne Allen is the only other pass catcher over 6 feet tall, and if Moncrief grabs double-digit touchdowns, which he was on pace to do when Luck was in the lineup, we could be looking at this year's Alan Hearns or Eric Decker. That is my dog, Dante Moncrief. All right, gang, you have just had a taste of what Pyromaniac.com has to offer. We are on all podcast stations. We've got a draft kit. You can find out information about becoming a Pyro Pro. All of that is available at Pyromaniac.com. We are a fantasy football company with soul. Hello and welcome, we're the Aussie guys, I'm AJ, sitting next to me is G, how are you G? AJ, gotta be quick. Our brief three fantasy breakout players, so did you want to start with your one and then I'll hit you with mine and then we've got a joint one because there's the two of us here so we had to negotiate on the third. Uh, My player is Mohamed Sanu, now playing for my beloved Falcons. Last year Matt Ryan threw for 614 pass attempts. Now, one-third of those went to one player in particular. Julio! 
Thank you. You I didn't agree. join me in the Julio. No, that, that, oh. that, I, I like when you do it. Now, one quarter of those left over from that one third went to Devontae Freeman. Just under a quarter went to Jacob Tammy, who now has to compete with our new rookie tight end in Austin Hooper. Now, we also have a, a second-year receiver in Justin Hardy. How many targets he's going to get? This is all just a guess. In 2015... Mohamed Sanu only saw 50 targets. Look, look who he's competing against. He's competing against AJ Green, a Tyler Eifert that was running rampant. Geo. A Geo, Marvin Jones. So he had a lot of competition there. Now, Sanu will be filling the role, hopefully, of Roddy White. Unless I'm stating now that Sanu is no Roddy White. No. Mohamed Sanu does not equal Roddy White. No. But Roddy White, from 2008 to 2014, I'm not going to include 2015 because what we saw from Roddy White was not Roddy White. No. He averaged 148 targets. Very nice. So I'm not going to say Sanu's going to be Roddy White in that category, but at the moment he's ADP. He's the 54th taken wide receiver, and he's going at the start of the 14th round. Wow. So if you were looking for value, I believe that Mohamed Sanu this year will be just that. Oh, he could break in as a wide receiver three or something on your team or a flex. If, if you have him starting as a flex this year in any of those numbers close to what Roddy White was doing... Look, I really like it because it's some it's a player a little bit different. Someone's uh, people aren't necessarily talking about. And he's Very only nice. 26. It's not like he's just at the end of a career. 36. <laughs> Did I say 36? No, no, no. I'm saying it's oh. not like he's 36. <laughs> okay, my player is the Duke. I don't know if he, he, that's his nickname. Duke Johnson. Obviously, he was a rookie last year in Cleveland. He played 16 games last year. He started seven. He had 104 rushes. And 61 receptions, but he finished the year as the 24th highest scoring running back. I'm not going to go right into all of the stats, but he played 562 snaps out of a total of 1,195, 47% of the running back snaps. Now, coming into town, there's a new sheriff. Gee. They signed Peyton. No, they have, no, different sheriff. A different sheriff. It's Hugh Jackson. He sees the Duke as an every down back. He's come out and said it. He also is really high on the Duke Johnson, Isaiah Crowell combination. Hugh Jackson in Cincinnati, Jeremy Hill had 794 yards and 11 TDs, and Geo had 730 yards and 49 receptions for two touchdowns. The Bengals were seventh in rushing attempts, and the Browns were 27th. So no matter what your opinion of the backfield is there's definitely going to be an uptick there. And the other thing, as you sort of alluded to before, what else have the Browns got? If they can't run the ball, if they don't become a power running team, they're in a lot of trouble. (laughs) They really need to dominate on the ground. Our third one is... Jordan Cameron. Tight end for the Finns. Last year was a poor year for Jordan Cameron, but with Adam Gase now running the show yes, in Miami. So let's have a look. In an AFC coach's breakfast recently, Gase said he wants to experiment with Cameron. Now, last year he was targeted 17 times for only 35 catches, for only 368 yards and only three TDs. In 2013, which is not that long ago, 917 yards and seven TDs. Now, Gase has had some luck. With tight ends, and they're an integral part of his offenses. Let's look at Julius Thomas, for instance. Orange Julius. 12 touchdowns in each of the years that Gase was in charge. Now, last year at Chicago, when Bennett went down, he even made Zach Miller somewhat fantasy relevant 
And who had ever heard of Zach Miller before? Yeah, true. And he is the 16th tight end taken off, and he is going 13.07, judging by the fancy football calculator. Fantastic. All right, well, there you go. There's our three players. Uh, we're running short of time, G, so I'll just do a quick plug. Follow us at Aussie Guys NFL and check out our website, www.aussieguysnfl.com. Hope you enjoyed this little sampler. We'll catch you next time. Hey, everybody. I'm Hayden Gibson. I'm Jared Chastain. We're from the County Fantasy Sports. Jared, start us off. I'm going to kick things off with Theo Riddick. He has PPR still written all over him. He ranked 19th there last season, and it is a crime that he is being drafted as bench depth. Last year was his first full season as the go-to pass-catching running back of that offense. Came away with 80 catches for 697 yards. You look at that offense right now, the big thing that stands out, there's no more Calvin Johnson. This also bodes very well for Theo Riddick. There's no deep ball threat, so this offense is going to revert on these shorter routes and the dump-offs for the production. And Detroit also likes Riddick so much as a pass catcher that he's actually been working in the slot this offseason. He's also going to be a solid red zone threat this year. Once again, no Calvin equals no jump ball and no go-to touchdown target. They're going to continue to rely on these short and quick routes in the short field. Last year, Theo was very successful in that aspect. He was able to use his agility and elusiveness to get by the slower linebackers in the nickel corners. So it goes without saying the touchdowns opportunities should increase. He only had three last season. I expect him to get anywhere from six to eight. And now in terms of running the football, he only had 43 carries last season. Not really something you want to hear, but at the same time, it's going to get better. Uh, Reports have surfaced that he will be more involved in the run game this year. Head coach Jim Bob Cooter has been on record, and he has said he can be a really successful runner. Now when you look at the other running backs, you have Abdullah recovering from the shoulder surgery, also has a fumbling issue. Zach Zinner, we don't know much about. Dwayne Washington, we don't know how he's going to adjust. Steven Reilly, who hasn't been worth speaking of since 2012. There's no clear-cut runner in this offense, if you ask me. So I think Theo could easily see around 100 carries. If you add all this up, my prediction for Theo Riddick is he will end up being a top-10 running back in PPR, as well as a viable running back, too, in standard scoring. My guy's Isaiah Crowell. I think Hugh Jackson's going to work magic with this backfield. Duke Johnson's the exciting guy, the popular guy, the fantasy sleeper. Isaiah Crowell's going under the radar this year. I think that he fits that Jeremy Hill role a lot better than what most people think. I think he's a very talented back. He was the fourth-ranked running back in the nation coming out of high school. Signed with Georgia. Got into some off-the-field issues and ended up at Alabama State and was an undrafted free agent rookie in Cleveland. And still managed to get quite a bit of work. Hugh Jackson's the key, though. Hugh Jackson's offenses in Oakland and Cincinnati have ranked towards the top in rushing attempts, rushing yards, and rushing touchdowns. So I'm really buying into Isaiah Crowell. I think he could potentially flirt with the 1,000-yard mark and 10 touchdowns. And a guy that we both agree on is Dante Moncrief. Yes, Dante Moncrief, I'm standing by my statement that he is the most complete wide receiver on that roster. I think last year he gained the trust of the team and the quarterbacks on the roster, which is evident by the statistics on his third and long, third and seven and more yards to go. He had 24 targets compared to a guy like T.Y. Hilton, who's considered the number one target in this offense, who only had 12 in that situation. That's a big reason why I'm really feeling a breakout year coming for Dante Moncrief. What I like most about Moncrief is whenever you look at his numbers last year, he doubled production across the board in comparison to his rookie year, something you really want to see out of a second-year wide receiver. And Andrew Luck played in only seven of these football games. 
So if you get 16 games worth of Moncrief and Luck together, then I think it'll really put Moncrief in a position to become great. And you nailed it whenever you said he's the most complete wide receiver on the roster. He has the build to be a go-to touchdown option at six foot two, and also the chain mover, like you said, third and seven, third and eleven. They're not looking to hit Ty on a fly. They're not looking to give it to Frank Gore. They're looking to move the chains, and Moncrief is that guy. And whenever you look at the formula that makes a wide receiver successful, it just flat out makes sense with Dante Moncrief. He's got a bad defense, which is going to put Indy in a deficit, thus making them more inclined to throw the football. They have a bad O line, which will force Andrew Luck to look at a short route before looking at a deep route. And the offense is pass heavy. So the volume appeal with Moncrief flat out can't be ignored. If this theory holds, I think Moncrief is really in line for a top 15 year. I have him just outside of my top 20, but he's quietly moving up. Soon he will be above T.Y. Hill, most likely. And that's it from us at the County Fantasy Sports. If you liked what you heard, be sure to check us out at thecountyfs.com. Follow us on Twitter, at thecountyfs. I'm Hayden Gibson. I'm Jared Chastain. See ya. So welcome to uh, Foul Mouth Football's take on the three breakout players for your fancy football season in 2016. Uh, for those unfamiliar with Foul Mouth Football, we're the podcast that's occasionally offensive, surprisingly informative, but always entertaining. So guys, uh, you know, I think the task we're, we're given at hand is to to you know do what do what every person wants in fantasy football, what every owner wants, and that's to be the one that picks that late round sleeper and they can brag about it for the entire offseason. You look at last year, you had players such as Doug Martin that, you know, really was given up on by much of the fantasy football world. But for those that stuck with it and, uh, you know, drafted him late, he showed signs of his 2013 self and had a pretty big year. So in saying that, who are, who are some of the players that, you know, we have to pick three, which you know, should be enough. But we, we can bounce around some players. Who are some of the players that you think could be the, the breakthrough this year? A lot of experts and, and fanfare alike that believe the rookie Jordan Howard out of Indiana, uh, he's going to he's gonna eventually take over from Langford, uh, be the main guy in the Bears' backfield. I think that's one of your late-round bargains that you should uh, – I can almost guarantee in most leagues he'll be available in your last round. Go ahead and take him. Going with an IU football player, damn. Um, I, I don't know if it counts as much of a sleeper, but the one appearing on everyone's name, you know, everyone on everyone's list is Matt Jones. Someone's got to run the ball in Washington. That's in a division full of pretty porous defenses. I, I think he's a guy that could, you know, replace Alfred Morris, who used to, when he was younger, had some consistent, you know, top 10, top 15 seasons. I think Matt Jones could be a solid RB2 this year. My favorite pick on this has to be Marcus Whedon. Um, I think it was Mortavius Bryant gone for the year. Uh, he's going to be obviously the second choice for Ben Rossberg. And. With AB being as hot as he's going to be, um, strong running game too. I, I feel like Marcus Wheaton's going to get probably a few more picks just from you know the focus kind of being on Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell. No, I think that's fair. I mean, I think there's a lot of you know potential sleepers on the Steelers this year. Uh, might be a bit presumptuous to put Titan on this, but you have him. You have uh, Ladarius Green. Plenty of points to go around this year. Um, two of the guys I like, both rookies, uh, are Duke Johnson for Cleveland. I know it's kind of taboo to draft draft a uh, Brown in fantasy football, but I just don't see them having much success in the passing game. They've had success on the ground in previous years. Um, if Duke Johnson can win that backfield and, and get the carries, he can put up some relevant numbers. I think that's always been their problem in previous years. They had guys like Crowell and some others that would just split carries and and they'd have surprisingly good games, but it's just damn fucking hard to predict. Um, 
Paul Perkins is a guy on the on the Giants that is is a rookie, and I think he could. Like I said, keep an eye on him preseason. Keep an eye on how he does workouts. Keep an eye on what coaches say. I know a lot of it's just uh, you know coach speaking, can't buy it. But if, if there's potential there to you know take a late round flyer on one of those two players, I think one of those guys could be the the rookie that everyone's talking about. You know this time next year as as a player that they should have drafted. I do actually think I agree with you on Duke Johnson. Uh, you know he's uh, coming into his second season with the Browns. I think he's actually a a brighter spot than Gary Barnage or Corey Coleman. Uh, I, I think he's he's the best thing. I, I, it's not very far-fetched to say, but I think he's the, the brightest thing that Cleveland has right now. He showed a lot of promise in 2015. Uh, he didn't really have any fantastic games, uh, but he's a guy, especially in a PPR league, I think he's going to be a huge benefit there. Uh, he's a guy that can catch the ball out of the backfield. He's a quick, shifty runner. I think he's going to take over the starting job this year, and uh, really come into his own as a runner. Uh, you know, I, I like my pick um, with Howard out there in Chicago, but I tell you what, Duke Johnson's a guy that uh, if he falls into your lap, you've got to grab him. I think LeBron James is the brightest thing in Cleveland, just to correct you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, this could be one of those decisions that, oh, I'm telling you to draft a Brown now, and then in three months I'm saying, like, why did I fall for that trick again? Uh, that's usually a fantasy wasteland. So the three players that were, were poising for the breakthrough candidates for 2016 are Jordan Howard, Marcus Whedon, and Duke Johnson. We're skewing pretty young here. Uh, but, I mean, I think these are guys you'll be able to get for pretty cheap value. Uh, with the exception of Duke Johnson, you know, the other two players really aren't being talked about as much in some fantasy circles. And those are always the best, you know, the deep sleepers, the ones that are the Hail Mary picks. And and when you pick those guys and it's not the auto-drafting it for you and you turn out right – that's almost worth it, you know, itself, rather than having that stud, you know, top two round pick that you can actually be proud of having that, you know, late round sleeper. So, and the reason I'm recommending, like, you know, rookies is it's just that much better as a fantasy owner. Like, when you, when, if you, I don't know if any parents are listening to this, but I'm sure you're going to love your kid that much more when you actually, when you actually raise it, you know, from an infant to a kid to a man, as opposed to, some of these other sleepers that might be someone like Frank Gore you might hear from these people say, yeah, you don't want to adopt like an 18-year-old. Sure, you might quote-unquote love him like you love all your fancy players equally, but nothing's going to replace that one that you actually raised you know, yourself and you actually had from the beginning. You pick you pick the rookie when they have no other NFL games to rely on, no other you know, games to, to analyze. That, that makes you stand out in your league. Well, thanks for listening to our take. Uh, if you like what you hear, you can find us on iTunes at foul mouth football you can also find us on twitter at fmf pod in a world filled with big sports companies and high-end production podcasts comes a group of guys who paid five bucks for this intro welcome to eat sleep fantasy all right good evening guys welcome to our podcast armando and i are taking a quick break from Pokemon Go, Dale's taking a quick break from the Kardashians and Scandal, so we can bring you a little bit of fantasy knowledge. So we're going to be giving you some hidden gems in the draft, some guys you might not be targeting right now, until we give you some stats. So let's start off with Dale DeMott. Dale, who's your guy that you're going to be drafting, your steal of the draft? Yeah, my steal of the draft this year is Tyrod Taylor. 
Uh, right now, he's going around 16th or 17th quarterback off the board, which I think is crazy. I have him at number seven. Uh, I'm not telling everybody to draft him at number seven. I understand your hesitation. But next couple of things I'm going to talk about, uh, Just I just want you to know that he's worth starting from week to week, especially if you have somebody like Tom Brady. Uh, for instance, last year he started out, uh, game one, he had 18 points uh, in standard leagues in, in the opening game. The next four games after that, he had nearly 26 points per game. Um, which was about the sixth best quarterback during that span. Uh, he got injured, of course, in week five. He missed a couple games, and he rested during the bye. But after that, uh, he struggled a little bit after the bye. But then weeks 12 through 17, he really showed us why he deserves to be drafted after uh, people like Andy Dalton, uh, Tony Romo, Carr, Rivers, people like that. During weeks 12 and 17, during that span, he averaged 25 points per game, and that was enough to be a top-five quarterback, um, just one-tenth of a point behind Russell Wilson. So... I highly urge you at least to look at Tyrod. Um, that's okay, pretty that's good. Enough. All right. Awesome guy, Dale. I think Tyrod is being very underdrafted in this, and you can get him very late. So, Armando, let's shoot it over to you. Give me the guy that you're going to be drafting late in your drafts that you think is an extreme value. Well, right now I'm looking at Isaiah Corral. He's currently going as 41st running back off the board, you know, behind the likes of Arian Foster, who's not even on a roster and high end handcuffs like Derek McFadden, D'Angelo Williams, and Derek Henry. Um, he's a starting running back in the NFL, Hugh Jackson system, where it last year featured Jeremy Hill and uh, what's the other guy's Gio. name? Gio, ben- Gio, Gio Bernard. <laughs> um, and as we all know, Hugh Jackson loves to run the ball. He ran, uh, he runs the ball the most, the second most the past five years in the red zone. So uh, Isaiah Correll should should just go up in value. I mean, he's the number one running back on in that system. I mean, RG3 just arrived, and we all saw what he does for Alfred Morris, um, his golden years, his first two years. But, uh, yeah, Isaiah, I think he's a great value going as a 40, 41st running back. Could end up as a starter on someone's roster. So, Christian, who do you have? So I'm going to give you guys the real steal of the draft here, and that's Marvin Jones, who's currently going at wide receiver 38, 93rd overall off the board. Uh, comparatively to the other guy on the other side of the field, Golden Tate, who's going as the 24th wide receiver off the board and 53rd overall. Marvin Jones is coming to an offense in Detroit that has thrown the ball 600 or more times in four out of the last five years. They've been top four in pass attempts in four out of the last five years. And we've seen Jones be fantasy relevant before. We've seen him have a 10-touchdown season. We've seen him as a big play outside receiver Just to give you some comparative stats, Marvin Jones, in an offense that he wasn't the feature receiver last year, had 25 less passes caught than Golden Tate and still had three more yards. He's coming into an offense which is losing Calvin Johnson between Tate and Johnson. They had 48% of the target share in Detroit. I see Marvin Jones stepping into a role where he's going to be extremely productive and he's being drafted very late. Well, thanks for listening, guys. That's been some of our stats. You can follow us at EatSleepFF on Twitter or visit our website, EatSleepFantasy.com, to get some more great knowledge from myself and Dale and, you know, Brown Armando. stuff that Armando brings. And uh, follow me at the No, Armando's not putting that in. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thank you for joining us. We are really excited to have been able to produce this uh fantasy football mixtape if you enjoyed the show let us know we did just want to you know give you guys an idea of some breakouts um get some differing opinions of what people might 
have and like for this for this upcoming season. So we really appreciate you guys staying tuned for this, you know, special edition of the Eat Sleep Fantasy Football Podcast. Anything you want to add, Dale, before we uh, close it out? No, no, just uh, uh, no, I don't have anything. God damn it, Dale. Yeah, we like to play till the sun go down. Then we take that town. Then we take that town.